recording this computer. We are recording. <clears throat> Bethany, you're up. Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. Today, we are amazingly honored and blessed to have one of my favorite people on the planet to talk to. Her name is Tasha Page, and I'm going to tell just a little bit about how we met. So several years ago, Martha and I were starting something called the Soki Worship Community, and she was looking for rappers because she was going into a juvenile detention center and they wanted somebody to come in to help the kids write rap music. And she was like, um, this is not me. Like, I, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> so she put out a call to our social network. Anybody know any Christian rappers out there? Wow. And, and several people put forward your name and I thought, Oh, I, I need to meet this person. We need to meet. So, <laughs> We met and we had coffee at Spencer's and it was beautiful. And, um, and I realized that since that moment, every single time that I have been in your presence, I have learned something. Wow. Uh, you are a deep well of wisdom. And we have, we've done interviews together. I actually interviewed yeah. her. Um, it's on YouTube. You can go look it up for the Soki Worship community. Just uh, go to our YouTube channel and you can find that interview with her. Uh, we've ministered together, uh, brought my kids yeah. to some things that she has been doing in her neighborhood and ministering to kids in her neighborhood. And I've brought my kids and um, yeah. just joined right in there with her. I brought my mom to several of her uh, women's teaching events called Hot Topics. And my and she and my mom just like instantly had this instantly. bond. Like it was, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Tasha, you're just, you're one of my favorite people and I, I honor you today and uh, I, I do, I learn from you every single time that we talk and I'm so glad that you're here with us today because we want to talk about some hard things and some real things that are happening and uh, so we wanted to start out by talking about you had put a video out uh it was it a week ago or I think so. I think it's been about a week. Mm -hmm. So early July. You talked about yeah. You talked about a rally that you did in this city. Mm -hmm. I think it was before I got here, called it Save was. My City. Mm -hmm. And just there's been a lot of things happened since then um, in the world, but also in our city. And mm -hmm. you just expressed such a burden for this city, and you have an extremely personal and uh, difficult. Uh, testimony of, of, mm -hmm. of how this is so personal for you. So how about we start there? Sounds good. Um, I'm so honored to be here with you, Brother Rod, and a dear friend of mine, Sister Bethany. Love you guys. Love your children. Come on. Yeah, I love, Absolutely. I love, I love those babies. Come on now. I love them too. Um, <laughs> you're partial, huh? Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm thankful that um, nothing happens. I have to go back to when I did meet you because nothing happens by accident. Uh, right. And so that someone dropped my name. Uh, and there's actually rap groups in Bowling Green, right, that are doing very well. And so uh, the fact when you and Martha came, like, we're looking for this girl named Tasha. We heard she raps. Oh, okay, that's me. That's, that's me. <laughs> uh, and so we actually worship that day together right I have I still have the pictures we worship that day 
So I, something happens, uh, I think, when God knits hearts in the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we can partake of the Lord together. And we, we had a partaking that day with him. And I think mm-hmm. God just knitted our hearts in that moment for something beyond what you and I knew, uh, you know, initially. And so I've been honored to be able to sit with you, honey. We've, we've had lunch. We've had Indian food. We've, we've had all kinds of things. Uh, even in my illness and recovering from surgery, you know, you and your babies came over, uh, danced with for me, and, you know, we prayed over each other. And, you know, just a great time. I think it's amazing when God does something. I, I think isn't this the picture of what God is doing, right? That, that he knits us in spirit. Uh, not that God doesn't see color. I think, you know, personally, that's one of the most foolish things I think people can say that God doesn't see color. So why is our world not black and white? Why is our mm-hmm. world not gray? I don't think okay. it's that God doesn't see color. He doesn't have a problem with color. And some he of loves, us do. He loves right? all the colors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He loves yeah. them. Brother he Rod, he loves yeah. them all. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I, there's, there's, there's colors we still have yet to see until we Come get on. into the glory. That's right. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I'm just so thankful that, that when I meet people, uh, that God, I, I see the God in them. I find the God in them. I think that's where we get with compassion. I think that's where we come to that place. But um, the video you guys are talking about is my brother was murdered in Bowling Green, Kentucky, still an unsolved crime in Bowling wow. Green. Uh, someone took his life. Uh, I'll work with the detectives and the detectives that has the cases as it's transferred because it is an unsolved murder here in Bowling Green. Uh, I continue to work with them um, the best I can, information that I may hear uh, for the sake of, you know, resolving the case. Uh, But something that pricked my heart was that within the community that I lived in and within the surroundings of what I saw, I saw that we were uh, more apt to allow things to happen and pass without taking some form of accountability to say, hey, don't, hold on, you can't do that here. And so something that's burdened me is about talking to those that I love and those that that I saw something coming down the pipeline. Uh, in the video, I do remember that God, when you're dealing with murder, you're dealing with a spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're dealing with a spirit of murder, we have to address it however it manifests. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we get caught up in not wanting to address the spirit of murder. If a police officer who has a badge is in authority that has been trained, does not know how to use that authority right, and, and a spirit of, 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 of murder is upon him, then we'll see it manifest in a way that's unkind. If mm-hmm. a brother or sister that looks like me, of African-American brother or sister, uh, uh, takes another life and it manifests like that. I have to go after the spirit, not the person. I don't care mm-hmm. who it manifests in. I don't mm-hmm. care who, who, what, what the person looks like. I have to go after the spirit. And so I have to deal with the ills of how that spirit is manifesting. And yeah, so okay. uh, one thing, go ahead, Rock. We just say we have to remember who the enemy is and who the enemy have is. To re- right? Absolutely. So John 10, 10, which you mentioned in that video, um, mm-hmm. The enemy is is out to steal and kill and destroy, and that is the spirit of murder. It's not in a white person or in a black person. Absolutely. It's in the real enemy that we have. Tasha, before we go any farther, I want to honor your brother. Would you just tell us how old he was and what his name was? His name was Kevin Lamont Raglan. He was okay. 29 years old. 
29 years old and murdered mm -hmm. in Bowling Green, Kentucky and mm -hmm. missed by his family and friends. Greatly. Yeah. So. I, oh, he was a beautiful oh. soul. Yeah. He was a beautiful soul. He was my best friend. Mm -hmm. um, the first male voice that I really had, uh, even though my father was living, uh, my brother was so nurturing. I used to tickle his beard, Rod. I see you kind of don't have one, but you know, just Not imagine anymore. with me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tickle him on his beard and he would laugh. And so, you, I mean, uh, a, a genuine, good hearted, amazing young man, a, a light that was put out uh, way, way too early. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we talk about a burden for a city, it, it, it comes because there are burdens for people and these are real people. These aren't numbers or mm -hmm. statistics or stories. Your brother was your best friend. This isn't Absolutely. just a loss of, of a person in the black community. This is a, this is a son and a brother and a friend. And that, like you said, that light was snuffed out. The spirit of murder mm -hmm. that comes from our enemy, Satan, got Absolutely. into somebody in some way. And, and I'm not talking about necessarily possession. I mean, I don't know how all that works, mm -hmm. but certainly it wasn't God who did this. It was the enemy. Absolutely. My pastor has done a beautiful job. Here we go, because I have to talk about Tim in every podcast. My Everything, every single done, time, yeah, my, every time. My pastor has done a beautiful job of reminding our church family and, and those who listen to him that, um, that we do have a real enemy. And if we would focus on the real enemy, then the people mm -hmm. that we think we're fighting with, we probably would fight mm -hmm. with a whole lot less. And, and I'm Absolutely. just so grateful for that coming from your story and your perspective uh, to be able to see big enough to see that because I, I can't imagine the pain. Um, I have three brothers. Absolutely. I love them. They are my blood. And mm -hmm. to lose that would just be crushing. So Absolutely. I'm sorry for your pain or for your loss. Thank so you. tell me how, tell me how that burden for the city, the burden for the community that we live in has, mm -hmm. has been a part of, of your relationship with God. How does how that, how have you fought through that? Okay. Um, I was saved about probably about nine or 10 months before Kevin got murdered. Oh, wow. I knew why God saved me before then. I knew I wouldn't want to live life without him. Yeah. I knew that I would probably in, in, in hurt and pain, probably retaliate in a way that would really cause my mother more grief. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Oh, when I look at it now, I see them. I, I, Jesus is the master. Oh, he's the master strategist. I said, Lord, you strategically saved me in 1998 because I was going to lose uh, the closest being that I had in 1999. And so God walked me through that season. Uh, uh, that's really where I developed um, a prayer life. And I didn't develop a prayer life by praying. I actually told God, I don't want to pray now. And that's when I felt the closeness of God. Mm -hmm. God became so real to me in my trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So, so a lot of times when we're dealing with trauma, we use all, we outsource all of these other resources, but they do not work. It actually keeps us in this place of brokenness and hurt, but God, Oh, he saved me before. So I could reach to him. So nights that I would sit up and I could not sleep nights that I would not be a days that I would not be able to eat times where I could not. I mean, I called his cell phone rod probably for about three months until mm -hmm. that number uh, had, had changed until nobody answered until his voicemail was gone. 
I, I didn't have his voice anymore. Uh, when I went to go see my brother, the last moment I had, I kissed him. I touched the wound where he was murdered. Why? Because I was touched with what was going on. I saw a grieving mother and that did something inside of me because God had rescued me, because God had saved me. He, he used that. And I said, I never want to see a mother grieve like that again. Never. I never, I didn't care about, I never, I didn't say I didn't want to see a black mother grieve. I don't want to mm. see a white mother grieve. No, I never wanted to see a woman grieve and bury a child again. And so God helped me to see this is much bigger than you realize. And then, I mean, I, I mean, you've seen it in the city. We have several unsolved murders, a, a, a teacher from Western coming out of Parks and Rec, a Caucasian lady murdered unsolved we haven't solved that i'm touched with that family and so that birthed something inside of me seeing my mother have to say goodbye to a child uh, uh seeing a parent bury a child i just god used that as a fire in me to say god how can i be a part of 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 helping people. And so I talk to people, people who deal with those things. I, I, I let my life be an access point for them for healing. Because here's what I did learn, Rod, with God. You can go through those situations and not lose your mind. We did not lose our mind. Yeah. You can go through those things and not even lose your faith. Even when I didn't understand. Uh, it, it's almost like uh, uh, things that Frederick Douglass had wrote. Uh, uh, Frederick Douglass wrote, he said, once I read the Bible, right? He said, I knew that slavery was an evil created by man because mm -hmm. the man that, oh, the man that I had met in the text could never do that. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when I began to see that God, you're concerned about mothers burying their children before time. You're concerned about a grieving community. You're, you're concerned that we have an enemy that, that manifests himself and cloaks himself under things and gets control of people's life and decision-making that people continue to bury their children. And so it just became a burden of mine. I didn't like it. I, as a Christian, I didn't believe God liked it. And so I exposed myself and I opened up my pain to be a portal and a point of contact so that people could be healed. Mm -hmm. So this is a worship podcast. And, and we're talking about something that seems very disconnected from the worship gathering. But I want us to, to work for a few minutes in the time that we have left in this episode. I want us to work for a minute to see how those two things need to come together. Not just can, but, but really do need to. And, and when I think about what worship is or should be, um, worship is an encounter between God and his people. It, it's an encounter that God instigates. He, he comes to us. He always comes first. Yeah. First in creation, he came first in prophecy, he came first in redemption, he comes first in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He always comes to us first, and then we respond in some way to his coming. And, and when we respond, that's what worship feels like for us or looks like for mm -hmm. us. And, and it's about God's story. It's about remembering that he is the creator and the redeemer and the sustainer and the one who will come again. And, and all of those things are the things that we pack into our worship services so that we can have some concept that we're a part of, like you said, a much bigger, bigger story than yeah. the, the little measly life that we lead right. or that we walk or that we stumble through. So in, in that kind of context, what is this burden for a city? What is this burden for mothers that they would never have to bury their murdered child? 
what does that look like and how does that affect the way that we should encounter God when we come together for worship? Amen. So let's think about this. Let's think about God being a father that had to watch his son go through a bloody death. Absolutely. So here we are worshiping, right? In worship, Jesus is our center, right? Jesus is our focus. That's who we're pursuing in worship. And to, to think that this father had to watch his son be crucified. And that is the focal point, right? That he died, he got up, he resurrected, he ascended, he's sitting on the right hand of his father, right? So yep. at the center of worship is a very bloody, a bloody and brutal a death that we are looking at, a father losing a son. And so when I'm pursuing Jesus and when I'm going after this and living, because we all, we all know as worship uh, uh, leaders and worship people, worship is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So my lifestyle reconnects me, Rod, with a place that God is hurting at. Uh, God is close to the brokenhearted. Oh, right. it, God is moved by what moves us. That's As you right. said, it is about God, but God is about us. He is so, uh, 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 his, the symmetry of his personality, lion and lamb, right? And so we right. see a God who's at the center of everything. We see a father losing a son. And so when I look at that, I saw that God was concerned about my mother. I saw that God was concerned that she couldn't that she couldn't sleep some nights. I see that God was concerned that she actually began to deal with anxiety. I see that God was concerned that actually uh, uh, her heart, even the rhythm of her heart changed. Right? She 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 now we had she has a heart uh, issue that we deal with, but God has sovereignly kept her. That all happened in 1999. And so if you're in worship, if you're living a life of worship and you are going after God and you see these things in your city and it doesn't make your heart skip a beat, I I would have to wonder what God you're pursuing. I would have to wonder, Rod, what God are you going after? And so when I see God concerned about his son, that puts me in the position to say, God, I'm concerned about your people in this city. How can I be? See, I don't make up my own lane. I seek God, Bethany. And I say, God, how can I serve with your heart, right? Because when my brother died, you know what I saw? I saw God's heart serving us. Mm -hmm. I saw God pouring out his heart to a family that was broken. I saw God pour, listen, uh, uh, things that people don't even know. I I don't really talk about these things. Uh, My brother, I had a brother that was incarcerated uh, when my brother died. And so we didn't even know if he was going to get to come. And so watch God's heart. He gets to come. The police officer that bought him put a, uh, a jacket around his, his uh, jail suit so that he can look like he's a part. This is God's heart. So we get to the burial. He's not supposed to be able to go, right? The God lets my brother come out. He lets my brother come up to the place where we're burying him. He lets us touch our brother in his moment of pain. Look at God's heart. Look at people who have who have committed their life now, because my life is committed to God. One of the last conversations me and Kevin had was this. He said, I, I, I have to respect you more. I, I said, why? He said, because you serve a man you can't see. I said, oh, brother, you can see him. I said, I'm having a living relationship with him. He said, Tasha, but I can't put my hands on him. I said, bro, 
you can put your hands on it. I said, you can have such a living, uh, faithful, faith-filled experience with God, a tangible. I said, bro, he's touchable. He's reachable. So how could I be in a worship or living a life of worship, Rod, Bethany, when a God who was touched with my infirmities, I'm not touched with the infirmities of my city. I don't have to go through the background of what a person did or what was their past like. Or, that does not matter. I'm touched with the simple fact that somebody's family is suffering a loss. Lord, because you have moved in my heart, how can my heart move for them? And I think when it becomes more about that, becoming, as we have said, so I've heard in so many churches, the hands and feet of God. When I become the hands and feet of God, I don't get to tell God where to send me. I simply obey the direction of what he wants to do. And so that's why I had saved my city rallies. Because you know what I realized? When we were grieving, we didn't have a community of people that we could rally around. And so God said, I want you to create a community. And we met once a month for a couple of years. And mothers who were missing their children, I prayed for them. I spent time with them. Uh, gave them access to me because I know that relationship and that journey uh, can be very lonely. But when God is in your heart, he now takes your mess and gives you a message. Oh, it sounds cliche, but it really, it became a message that God allowed me to do. And I love the love, the very touchable love of God being able to be extended to people. So if we're worshiping, we need to extend that love. Bethany, I promise I just, I'm going to let you ask a question in just a second. But I, I got to go um, dive on one thing that you said, Tasha. You said if, yep. if when you were talking about God as a father watching his son die. And, and one of my favorite moments in the film, The Passion of the Christ, is, is the closing scene where a teardrop from heaven falls onto the cross. It, it's just chilling. Um, it's so important that we remember when we choose songs, when we choose scripture passages, when we choose the words for our prayers, that we are helping people um, envision who God is or have a better vision of who God is or a clearer vision of who God is. And if you don't imagine that God is the kind of God who would weep over the loss of a child, mm. then the God that you've gathered to worship is probably not the God of the Bible. And so as worship leaders, it, it's, it's so important that we choose to put words in our people's mouths that remind them or teach them or form them into understanding who this God is that we've gathered to worship. Because mm. if we don't get that right, then we yeah. can't have the kind of burden that you're describing because we, we think of God as a, well, any distortion of that. I, I'm, I'm reminded of one of my favorite <laughs> stories. I think I can tell this quickly. Um, there was a, a student at an Ivy league school who, who walked in to see his professor and said, um, now, this is when Ivy League schools were all Christian. So this has been probably 100 years ago or more. But he walked in to see his professor and said, Professor, I've decided I don't believe in God anymore. The professor said, oh, that's really interesting. Tell me about this God that you don't believe in. And the student went on to describe the God that he didn't believe in. The professor said, oh, I'm so relieved to hear you say that. I don't believe in that God either. I believe in God. Come on. Come and, on. And that's such a brilliant answer and a reminder that we need to we need to shape our people's understanding of the God that we worship in a way that they can imagine that God grieves. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's not, he's not out to get the brokenhearted. He's drawing near to them. He, he is, um, he has a heart of compassion. And when we, when we choose to create worship experiences or, or again, just the words that we put in our people's mouths or that we speak over them, that they really do 
give folks a clearer understanding of the God of the Bible. And, and that's so important. And I think that's so much of where the burden comes from is we share the burden that God has. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Bethany, you were starting to say something and I, I just couldn't. <laughs> it's okay. I, I just wanted to point out that what Tasha did it was focused on transformation. It wasn't just saying, hey, I've had this unimaginable tragedy happen in my life and everybody who's had tragedy happen, just let's all just gather around and just, you know, be wounded together. But the, the point is, the focus is, the purpose is, the hope and the destiny is glory is going to come out mm -hmm. of every place that you have been wounded. Because mm -hmm. you have allowed that to be the place where your wounds touch other people's wounds. And it becomes, as you said, a portal for the power of God to come mm -hmm. into somebody's life and to actually heal them Absolutely. in the midst of the most unimaginable tragedy and trauma that there is of all kinds Absolutely. of, of any sort. And I think as, as <laughs> leaders in the church, you know, we, we tend to go to, to two extremes. We either pretend that we're fine, nothing's ever bad has ever happened to us, our faith Come never on. wavers, and we have to be stoic and strong, and then the people that we're leading feel like they can't relate to us, or God for that matter. Or I think there is a tendency to be overly transparent, too raw, too broken, too damaged to help anybody. Yeah, yeah we stay in our brokenness instead of... I mean, we're supposed to sit in a heap of ashes and grieve, but we're not supposed to park there, stay there. Uh, you know, we, we um, as I understand the way healing works in scripture, we, we experience grief and then we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't, Absolutely. We don't camp out there. We just keep walking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and on the other side of that is, yeah, glory. That's beautiful, beautifully said, Bethany. Tasha, what else would you say to worship leaders, to people that are involved in worship teams or planning services or preaching sermons? How can we, um, how can we effectively help our church feel the burden that God feels, feel the burden that you feel for our cities, regardless of what our city is, what our community is? And, and, and I just want to say again, this is not a black or white thing. This is a community, this community. Is around us, whoever our neighbors are. How, how can we maximize our um, yeah, our experience with a God who sits with us in that and, and, and desires for us to have a burden for our city? Well, first of all, don't be fearful. Okay. Don't be fearful to experience and drink in what you're feeling on the inside of you. When you watch that story and that story brought uh, a reaction out of you that you were actually surprised would come out of you. God is birthing something in you. God is awakening something that he has within you, within you, right? Something yeah. that he has planted within us. Don't squelch that down. When the, the, the Bible says don't quench, right? The mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. God is awakening something. Don't be fearful to let that rise out and say, listen, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I just knew when I saw my mother crying, I couldn't handle that. It erupted something on the inside. I didn't have a formula. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have 10 points in a poem. I did not know. I just started praying into that thing when I really, as I began to walk through my place of healing, Lord, I don't really know what this is. Remember, I was only a year saved, almost a year saved. So I just gave into it. Whatever you want to do, in this thing inside of me that I can't let go. I am open 
to let this thing happen. I am open, Lord. I will not be fearful. What if nobody goes? What if there's no white people there? What if there's no black people there? What if there's no this there? What if no? I don't care about any of that. I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give into this thing that you are birthing inside of me because, God, it is about you and it's not about me. If I Listen, we are the resources. The good thing about serving God is we don't have to create anything. We just distribute what he has. We are distributing factors. We, we, we're just distributors. And so I don't have to create how to feel this way. He has already mm-hmm. created in me. Mm-hmm. I just let it come out. And I don't try to control it. I let it be. So when we are are engaging with community, get in a place. If God has touched you in a place, don't be fearful to go experience that. When you see the community feeding or when you see uh, murders happening, when you see them drawing and doing a vigil. I I don't know. I went to a vigil of another guy. I was like, I don't know. I just feel led to go. I went. I didn't know what I was going to do there. I wound up paying with family and all kinds of other things. Don't be fearful. Give into the pool of the spirit. He's leading you to a place that he wants you to serve. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Bethany, any last questions before we wrap up with this? And there'll be a part two, by the way, we're going to talk with Tasha again, but in terms of this particular topic, anything else you want to hear from her about? <laughs> oh, so many things. <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that your beautiful story with us. It's, it's hard and it's painful and it's beautiful. God is making something so beautiful yeah. out of your life. Thank you. Honor. Yeah. Honor to be with you guys. Absolutely. And I would just say that that last thing you said sounds a whole lot like surrender. Yeah. But that that term can be so familiar to us that we think we know what it means. And so to surrender to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart and your soul and your mind and your body to you know, to have an awareness of that and then to just say, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. I met with a a spiritual director about a month ago and he said, everything in your life is motivated by fear or love. There are no other options. If it's motivated by fear, it's from the enemy. If it's motivated by love, it's from your loving father. So if this feels like it's motivated by love, then surrender to it and and let the fear be repelled by the love of Mm -hmm. God. And it can Mm -hmm. change everything about the way that you experience worship personally or the way that you lead worship corporately. So thank Mm -hmm. you, Tasha, so much for setting us on the path. That's that's beautiful. And join us next time. Remember, help us like, share, subscribe. Uh, You can do that on Spotify. You can do that on iTunes, uh, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Um, you don't want to miss, I don't think, the kinds of things we're bringing to you, especially the next episode with, with Tasha, where we will talk about how to be a part of God's work of reconciliation. So um, join us again and again. Thank you for listening. We really want to build a real church, um, be yeah. a part of the same kind of tribe that you want to be a part of, worship for the real church. That's why we want to make it so every soul sings. We love you, listeners. Thank you.